0: I'm
1: that happens. <laughs> How often does that happen to you? Yeah. Uh, that was my wife, Sarah. And that was uh, Guillermo in the band. And I'm ringing just a little bit. Start here. I will not be winning this trophy this year. So tallies, Yeah, you're right up there. Seriously, like you're like in third or fourth place. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just want to check and scan the room. Anybody here? Anybody? Anybody pick St. Peter's? Anybody? St. Peter's, like, crazy that, like, your, well, one, it's crazy that your mascot is the peacocks, like the fighting peacocks, <laughs> like, you know, who, think, who thought of that, and then to win, to be a 15th seed, to win the first 15th seed to go to the Elite Eight on National Peacock Day, I am not making this up, for reals, Friday was National Peacock Day, What what was that? I don't think that that's the amazing part because I think today is like probably National Corn Dog Day or something like that, you know. Like there's a national day for everything. Um, Our Jewish sisters and brothers, uh, I I, I think, do something incredibly lovely. And somewhere along the way in our... uh, christian slash protestant uh way of being we got away from it and um that might have been a a poor uh, mistake in planning at the nicene convention i'm gonna i'm gonna nail it there um they sing the first five books of the bible and the psalms so When a young boy or girl is going up for their bar or bat mitzvah, uh, bat mitzvah for girls, bar mitzvah for boys, they would get up and they would open the Bible. And and it's kind of a test, so there's this randomness to it. In some traditions, Jewish traditions, there's a randomness. The rabbi just here sing this one. And it may not be something that they've practiced. It it might be because they're, they're supposed to know them all. There is a tune. There is notes. There are notes of music. They're not put down on paper because it's an oral tradition. It's passed down. I would teach David how to sing. David would turn and turn. teach Jenny how to sing. Jenny would turn and teach Juliet how to sing. It's it's passed down from person to person. And so when you read Psalms, there's sometimes these little headings that tell you, like, you know, to the, to the leader of the choir, and there's some instruction. It's very brief, but they know what to do, so they do it. But there is something, listen, as I read Psalm 46 to you again. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Selah. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, Be still and know that I am God. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. selah not i don't think any of us know what it means we think we know what it means we think it means to pause we think it's a it's a musical direction so if for those of you i well it's been Oh, i'm trying to figure out here I think. It was in the like in the sixth or seventh grade when I stopped playing piano it was the last time I read music so however old you are in the sixth or seventh grade at a year because my birthday's in October and that's how old I was and uh but I had to look it up yesterday when you're looking at sheet at music and you have your little bars of where the notes go there's a little black dash that's a pause And it'll tell you how long you're supposed to pause within the music, whether it's a beat, or two beats, or four beats, and then you go on again. We don't know how long the selah, the pause, in the Psalms is supposed to be. That's why we we don't know exactly what it means. Selah. We are in the fourth Sunday of Lent. feels like the 24th, but it's only the 4th. A season of spiritual reflection, sometimes a season of personal reflection, sometimes a season to reflect and lament all that is and has taken place in our journey with our Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer throughout the last year as we make our way to the Jerusalems of our spiritual imaginations, the way to the crosses we bear. We're also in the fourth week of our sermon series called Margin, Creating Space to Breathe Deeply. In the last three Sundays, Pastor Amy has taken us through what it means to have easy burdens, to give over our burdens or what we call burdens over to Jesus, the difference between worry and peace and why and how we should let go of our worries and how we should seek out peace for our souls, minds, and hearts and lean into that. And we also compare and contrasted fatigue and energy and the things that weigh us down and make us tired and how we should lean into the things that give us energy. Margin. Creating space to breathe deeply. To remember that with every breath we take, we quietly say the true name of God. Normal respiration rates for an adult person at rest range from 12 to 20 breaths per minute. So as I stand up here trying to fight off the imagery that I'm naked before you. And my breathing rate is a little bit faster than yours. You who have been sitting down for a while, relaxing, melting into your seats. You're breathing 12 to 20 times per minute. And each time you do, you're calling out the true name of God. Quietly calling out the name of God. This week, I've been tasked by Amy with a challenge. Yes, it is a challenge to share with you all our goal to go from hurry to calm. This whole series of margin is an interesting idea, isn't it? I mean, we have been in the season of margin margin have we not already two years of margin and what have we done with that margin did we share our burdens with our redeemer did we find peace and live into it are we more energized than we were before or do we still suffer from fatigue My challenge for me this Sunday is to keep you all understanding the meaning of Selah, to pause from hurry and to seek calm. And that's hard to do when we live a life of hurry, each and every one of us. We hurry like our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day, our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom of power and the glory forever. Amen. Praise God for whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above you, heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. God's neat. Let's eat. We want to get to the point fast. But then when we get there, do with it. There is this idea of being an American, especially of those who have been born and raised here in the West, and I'm going to keep harping this, the big country is not West Texas. I'm on a one-person crusade, being from Texas, having been born and raised in El Paso, that Abilene is not West Texas. But for those of us who were born and raised here in the West, this idea popularized in Western movies and made even more popular by an actor of those Western movies who became a president, Ronald Reagan, that we are to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. You may be familiar with this adage, said another way, God helps those who help themselves. Heard that before? Some of you all believe that this is biblical it is not. And the actual quote is, the gods help those who help themselves. Notice how I said, the gods, plural, help those who help themselves. This phrase originates from the ancient Greece. It is first found in the fables of Aesop and the tragedies of Sophocles and Euripides. And just to give you some context, Sophocles and Euripides, born Raised, written, produced plays about 60 years before Jesus was born. It was made popular, once again, during Jesus' lifetime by Ovid, a Roman poet. We, Americans, think Ben Franklin said it first, because we, Americans, think every American did it first, said it first. Ben Franklin did not if we are to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, we are very much in a hurry to do so. Those of us who grew up in the West were raised in the West by pure necessity, we were in a hurry to do so because there were crops to plant, cattle to herd, shelter to build, children to raise, work to be done. We were in a hurry because a storm was coming in. Crops needed to be harvested. The cattle needed to be taken to market. There was a rush to stay alive. The struggle is real, and it hasn't changed much. It's as real today as it was 50 years ago. By the way, Jeff Jenkins, it was 1972, and it does not feel like 50 years. A hundred years, a thousand, or 10,000 years ago, To survive is an innate skill that we all have, yet we forget where it has come from, yet we forget where we have come from, how far we have come, to whom we belong. We forget our history, too, our history of some 3,600 years ago, give or take 100 years, because, you know, I was born in October. Moses, commanded by God with directions on what to do from God and with a lot of patience and perseverance from God, frees God's people from slavery and leads them out of Egypt. Now, I don't know who needs to hear this, but the people that the Egyptians enslaved were not slaves. They were scientists, doctors, architects, teachers, astronomers, fathers, mothers, Daughters, sons, etc., etc., etc. They weren't just Charlton Heston mud stomping slaves. They were more than that. They were our ancient brothers and sisters, our foremothers and forefathers. Selah. Do you all remember the state we are in now? And how it all started. When we finally understood what we were up against. We figured out how to live in the moment we were in. You remember? Can any of you remember exactly the day and date when this all started? I can. It was Friday, March 13th. My wife was trying to stay at work as long as she could to get what it was that she needed because she knew that it would be the last day that she would go to work for a while. Seth was at school and the after school program and I allowed him to stay as long as he possibly could so that he would get that interaction with other kids because we didn't know when he would be going back. I also allowed him to stay as long as he could because I knew that it would be the last afternoon that I had at home by myself. Friday, March thirteenth, 2020. At first, we found the quiet unsettling, and then we relished it that moment that we realized there was no traffic on the road in those rare moments that we were driving. it was like Christmas Day. Our political and economic leaders yammering to the talking heads that we need to get back to work, get our kids back to school. We need to get back to normal, come hell or high water, or better yet, hell or pandemic. Selah some things to think about from 1950 to 2018 productivity in the United States has increased by 299% despite the pandemic early projections right now are that our productivity has increased even more during the pandemic according to one source our productivity since 1950 to now has increased 430% that means In the four years, 2018 to 2022, we have increased our productivity by 131%. The United States is the 11th most productive country in the world, but it takes 300 hours less worked with more days off to almost double the productivity output of the average American worker in the most productive country, which is? Luxembourg. As Americans, we work too many hours. At least 134 countries throughout the world have laws setting the maximum length of the work week. The U.S. does not have any of these laws. Paid time off as required by law. In the United Kingdom is 28 vacation days. Germany, 20 vacation days and 13 paid holidays. Japan, 10 vacation days, and 15 paid holidays. The United States, zero. Nearly 30% of Americans feel guilty about taking paid time off during the pandemic because they feel they will be replaced. So if you happen to be fortunate enough to work for an employer who gives you paid time off, such as a vacation, maybe in your first year you get two weeks, in your fifth year you get a third week, maybe in your tenth year you've earned a fourth week. And then you get paid, uh, paid time holidays off, which are probably the six federal holidays that we honor. Just remember that your employer is not required to do so by law. If you guys didn't notice, last week I wasn't here because I was on vacation. Yeah, it was great. Drove up to Denver. Well, let me start off here. I started on Tuesday, March 15th, on the Ides of March, and I drove to Tucson to see the Pixies. Anybody? Pixies? It was great. God, it was great. But starting on that day... And then ending on uh, Thursday morning when I went to go get gas, when I got back on Wednesday, I had been in the car for 26 hours. No, excuse me, I'd been in the car 48 hours had driven 2,600 miles. And for those of you who want to know, I got 27 miles to the gallon. Cheapest gas was in Denver. I saw 379. I was supposed to take two weeks of vacation, and I only took one because of the way that Amy's calendar and my calendar, we would have gone, I think, two or three weeks before we would have been able to meet again. And so we met that Thursday. It was only supposed to be for an hour, but 30 minutes of, I think, the hour and a half that we talked was admonishment as to why I hadn't taken the week off yet. I felt as if I was unprepared, had too much work unfinished, and I felt guilty for taking the time off. I did not share my burden to make it easy, as my Redeemer has asked me to do. I spent more time worrying, instead of leaning into peace, that my sustainer wants for me. I was too fatigued to know otherwise, and that's not what my Creator created me for. For those of us who are muttering in our heads, too much work never hurt anyone. Just remember, too much candy hurts your teeth. Too much food hurts your belly. and Too much hurry hurts our souls and robs us of peace and calm. Selah. It is said that Moses and the rest of the Israelites wandered through the desert for 40 years. I do not know if that tale has been exaggerated or not. What I do know is that along the way, God gives Moses the most amazing gift to give to everyone. It is the fourth commandment, and I am here to argue today that it is the most important commandment. So, uh, in substantiating my argument... You know, uh, Moses goes up to the mountain, comes down with a set of uh, uh, tablets, and um, he breaks them. He slams them down, right? He's frustrated and mad at the Israelites because they built a golden calf. And so then he's got to go back up to the mountains again and get another tablet. And I don't know, Steve, if in, like, hammering out on the tablet from God... Like the answer, you know, he's dictating, right? God's dictating him, commandment number one. I'm here to say that I don't think uh, Moses got in the right order. I'll prove my point. The fourth commandment, and possibly the most important commandment, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. The first commandment that you all have come to know and love, and just to let you guys know, David... That if at any point in time I preach, uh, my lawyer goes through my sermon before I preach it. And so we had an argument yesterday, my lawyer and I. And she said that it's the first commandment love God with all your heart and your mind and your soul. And I said, but you can't do that if you're tired if you work yourself to death. See, the story of Moses and the reason why it's important in in regards to this sermon and to us today in finding margin is that we forget that the Israelites were enslaved for 400 years and expected to work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And when they are freed and set off into their journey to get to the promised land, to the land that God has set aside for them, the first thing he gives them is rest. Now, we, holy, holy means sacred. And I looked and looked and looked and looked into the dictionary and dictionaries, and uh, the first definition was you know, holy equals sacred religious ceremonies. The pomp and circumstance. But I'm here to argue that it means sacred. And your day off is meant for you. It's a gift from God. So, we've been doing these uh, questions, uh Amy has been stretching and pulling us for the last three Sundays. And if you thought when I got up here today that you would be taking a break from that, you were wrong. And your question for this week, does everybody have their little booklet? Oh, Justy gets a gold star. Do we have those gold stars? Please pass those out, will you? If you don't have a booklet and you want a booklet, uh, Kathy's got some and she'll pass them out. And we've got some really cool stickers and Morningstar pens and pencils out there for you all to take home. And your question this week is, and this is in the first person, so it's your question to yourself, when do I feel hurried? I'm going to write it down with you all. Some of you all might be muttering to yourself, when will he hurry up? You write the question down now, and then you kind of go home, and in your own uh, margin, your space of margin that you've created for yourself, you kind of ponder these questions and write out your answers. There's no right or wrong answers. You just do that. So back to the point, Selah. Let's talk and take Selah right now. Take a time for calm. Join me in taking a deep breath and letting out slow. Now in a low breath, repeat after me. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know that I. Be still and know that. Be still and know. be still and be still be the gift of rest the gift of calm and I need to add this if today is a work day for you this is not your sabbath if it happens to be tuesday, wednesday, thursday or friday that you are off that that is your sabbath and keep that day holy and or sacred the gift of no longer having to be in a hurry to stop And breathe the name of God 12 to 20 times a minute. Keep the day off. Sacred. In the name of the creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Selah.